the show you love with even more local news and more local reaction the mike douglas show now weekdays from three till five on power talk 1360 kfiv and a wonderful tuesday afternoon to you here from the mike douglas show mike douglas with you your concierge for conversation as we take a look at the issues of the day and have the opportunity to discuss them together live and local with uh, rational discussions, reasonable discussions, and respectful discussions right here on the Mike Douglas Show, 3 to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Two sobering notes here at the beginning of our broadcast today, and we want to acknowledge um, actually three um, milestones today. Uh, Two, it's been 29 years Can you believe it? Since the Waco massacre, so-called, happened in Texas. Remember, it was a 51-day standoff that came to an end when FBI agents raided the Branch Davidian compound in Waco. The leader, David Koresh, and more than 80 other cult members died when the compound burned to the ground. Uh, The other milestone today, uh, one which I was personally involved in, it's the 27th anniversary of the bombing of the Alfra, uh, Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City. Have you been there to that memorial? Uh, if you are ever in that area in Oklahoma, it is worth it to go. They've done a wonderful job of, of capturing the essence of what we need to remember about that. If uh, you remember 168 People were killed during that 1995 bombing. And my job at the time with the urban search and rescue teams for California and for FEMA was to uh, be the logistics person (laughs) here uh, running from our Sacramento headquarters. And uh, my uh, partner at the time in urban search and rescue, Mark Gillarducci, who's uh, now in charge of uh, the state office of emergency service, was uh, running things on scene uh, with FEMA. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of lessons learned came about that. I won't go into that today, but a lot of lessons learned about PTSD for rescuers. A lot was learned <clears throat> about interagency uh, cooperation or sometimes lack thereof. <laughs> Anytime that you get a lot of different agencies, local, state, and federal, all at the same scenes, it becomes a, a delicate dance. And uh, we learned a lot about how to work together uh, at that particular site. So any, if you uh, are ever there in Oklahoma City, I encourage you to, uh, to attend that uh, memorial, to, uh, to see it, <clears throat> and to experience the essence of what happened that day. And then uh, just an update on uh, the sad news of the fatal stabbing that we talked about yesterday at Stagg High School in Stockton. The um, young lady who was stabbed to death multiple times of being stabbed, stabbed to death, uh, was apparently 15 years old. Her name, uh, Alicia Reynaga, a freshman at Stagg High School. Apparently, the suspect is a 52-year-old named Anthony Gray. He's been charged with murder connected to the stabbing. Uh, There have been rumors that he was homeless. Those have not been confirmed. I'll just 
underline that. Uh, but they do believe at this point anyway that the incident was a random act of violence. And um, so again, a, a sobering update to uh, that story coming out of Stockton. And then we want to check on what's going on in Sacramento with our legislature. Anytime the legislature is in session, I, I approach each day with a little bit of cringing. <clears throat> and cringeworthy today is AB 1594, the assembly bill that would permit citizens and local governments to sue gun manufacturers and sellers has passed the Assembly Judiciary Committee today by a vote of 7 to 2. Now it's headed next to the Assembly Appropriations Committee. Let's talk a a bit about that because this is one to watch in my opinion, because to me, it is one of the most absurd bills that have ever been brought before the California legislature. Now, we need to go back to when it was first introduced and brought to our attention. That was back in in January, a few months ago. So AB, Assembly Bill 1594, it would allow victims of, uh, of shootings, and including citizens as well, cities and counties, it would enable them to sue gun makers and sellers on claims that the industry acted recklessly and dangerously, even though they weren't the ones pulling the trigger. And you see, to me, this is, this is just absurd. When you open the door to sue entities or persons that are not, involved in the incident. I want to take you back just so you get a flavor of what the proponents and the opponents of this particular bill had to say back in in January. First of all, here's Assemblyman, and and these interviews uh, were done by Fox 40 News in Sacramento back in, in January. Here's Assemblyman Mike Gibson a Democrat from Carson, speaking in favor of the bill. If we can sue car dealers, if we can sue lawyers for malpractice, if we can sue a barrage of individuals, why should not the people of this state of California have the same ability to sue a gun manufacturer? Does that logic make sense to you? To me, it's a, it's a leap of logic. It's a disconnect. The fact that some people can sue other people for other things is not specific to this particular issue. And uh, I think that argument is on thin ice. Another person that was interviewed in favor of the bill was Tanya Shart, S-H-A-R-D-T, and she is the senior counsel for the Brady campaign. This policy would not create liability or mean that every case against the gun industry is successful. It simply means that people will be ensured that they will have an opportunity to pursue valid claims against irresponsible, reckless, dangerously acting gun dealers. Dangerously acting and malicious gun dealers. So someone goes and and kills someone 
with a gun that is manufactured, obviously, by a gun manufacturer and sold by a gun dealer because that person pulled the trigger, the gun dealer and the gun manufacturer are malicious? Again, these are leaps of logic that I, uh, I we need to we need to call this and say no, no. I'm sorry. This is this is not making any sense. It doesn't make any, or it didn't make any sense either back in January to the Republican Assembly Public Safety Committee Vice Chair Tom Lackey. Here's Tom Lackey and and his opinion. It's not common sense. It's common stupidity, truthfully. It really is. And I don't mean any disrespect to my colleagues. It totally maligns the sense of personal responsibility, which is the big problem that we're having with uh, this violent. And, and I don't even like the term gun violence because it, it directs the attention towards the weapon itself, the instrumentality instead of the behavior. Amen. I think that is one of the major points in this whole discussion about who's responsible for killings. It's the perpetrator. It's the perpetrator. When we start blaming, when we start providing laws to sue the gun manufacturers and, and sue the gun dealers, that to me is not about justice. That's about the get rid of the guns narrative. It's a completely different agenda that is using a horrible incident to promote a narrative and another agenda, which is to do away with guns. And uh, so, so to me, it's, uh, it's not only irrational, but it's dishonest. What do you think? AB 1594. You feel that gun manufacturers, gun dealers ought to be sued if someone takes one of their tools and kills somebody with it. How about that stabbing up in Stockton yesterday? Should the manufacturer of the whatever it was, a knife or puncture tool, whatever it was, should should we find out who the manufacturer of that was and have them sued? Because this unbalanced person, nobody in their right mind, picks out a freshman female, stabs her multiple times to death. So should we hold the manufacturer of that knife to be responsible for it as well? What do you think? 209-551-3483. Not sure about all that. 209-551-3483. What I am sure about is when it comes to real estate, I've got a go-to guy that uh, is my expert. His name is Dan Phipps. Good reasons right now to sell your property. Prices are up. Inventory's low. Future interest rates, as you know, are uncertain. So with home prices that are changing fairly rapidly, are you worried about leaving money on the table? Well, if you are, call the agent I trust. His name is Dan Phipps. Dan has a proprietary marketing system that guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. 
His home selling program designed to maximize your sales price. You are in complete control. What I love about this, no long-term contracts, no required costly repairs. You pick your move date, and Dan can even help you find a new home before you move. Warren in Modesto says he had a rental house. He was ready to take advantage of the hot market and cash out, but he needed to get the highest price possible. But he didn't want to inconvenience his tenant to fix up the house with repairs. It was a tall order, but not a problem for Dan Phipps. Warren says in just days, Dan sold his home for thousands more than updated houses nearby. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I would hire to sell my own home. He is the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours, or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S.com. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, AB 1594. I encourage you to keep your eye on this one. I think this will be a, a dangerous precedent. Again, the gist of it is that uh, in, the, in the case of victims of shootings, the victims and citizens and cities and counties can go sue the gun makers and sellers, uh, the gun sellers of the uh, weapons that were used by the perpetrators. To me, this is abs- this, it's a disconnect in my mind. Again, here's, uh, here's Mike. Gibson. He's an assemblyman, uh, Democrat from Carson. This maybe this logic makes sense to you. It, it, I'm not. I'm not getting the connection here with reality. I'm not following his flow of logic. Here, here's his statement again. This is from back in January. If we can sue car dealers, if we can sue lawyers for malpractice, if we can sue a barrage of individuals, why should not the people? of this state of California have the same ability to sue a gun manufacturer. Now, if we can sue a car dealer, what does suing a car dealer have to do with suing a gun manufacturer for someone who used a weapon in a crime, in an assault, in a battery, in a murder, in a homicide? I don't get the connection there. And you, but, but you see, this is what our woke culture is all about today, is flimsy rationale, uh, flimsy reasoning. If you follow that, it makes absolutely no sense. Again, let's just, and I'm not making light of this at all, but let's just take as an example the case yesterday of this, uh, <clears throat> sadly, this, this young freshman... Uh, 
girl at, at Stag High School in Stockton, stabbed to death, appears to be at this point anyway, uh, a random a random act of violence as far as we know. Do, do we find out who manufactured whatever weapon he used? They said he was, she was stabbed to death, so obviously it was some type of a sharp object, maybe a knife, maybe something else we don't know yet. Should we sue that manufacturer, make them responsible? And I, and I guess this, uh, let, let's take this further. Let's say, uh, let's look at car accidents. Let's look at a, a fatal car accident. Should the person who caused the accident, should we find out who made the car? Toyota, GMC, Dodge, Ford, Chevy, whoever, whomever. Do we do we sue them because someone was negligent on the road using their car? You see, it makes no sense. But at the bottom of this, I think, is a, a terrible precedent that we're setting up here, and it has become, I think, part and par- parcel of the woke religion. And I do believe it is a religion. It... Um, it takes away, in their worldview, it takes away personal responsibility. You're no longer personally responsible for what you do. It's someone else's fault. We're not going to hold that person responsible. We're going to hold someone else responsible. Because there must be, there must be some reason they did what they did that has nothing to do with personal choice. It's because of their upbringing. It's because of trauma that they had. It's because of their race. It's because of what neighborhood they grew up in. It's because of their religion. It's because they're a racist. It's because they don't like transgender people. It's because whatever, whatever the current anti-thing is, it's that thing's fault. Instead of let's, let's get back to personal responsibility. The person who pulls the trigger is responsible for that crime and needs to pay for it. And I, I, I think to, to adopt this type of thinking where we go after gun manu, why would we go after the gun manufacturers and the gun dealers? I can only think of one reason why. Well, two. Main reason because it fits the real agenda, which is to take guns out of the hands of citizens. The other agenda is a sec- assault on the on the Second Amendment. I think that all uh, that all ties together. What do you think? Telephone number here two zero nine five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. While you're thinking about that, how about the no-mask order? Remember, that came down uh, yesterday. The Biden administration saying after a Florida federal judge ruled that the CDC's mask mandate uh, was overstepping its statutory authority, the administration said last night it's not going to enforce the federal mask mandate for travel for right now anyway. We'll watch that. I, I'm assuming that there will be some type of an appeal. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Do you know anybody or have you, were you flying yesterday or do you have any family members that were flying yesterday and got to fly without their masks? 
uh, our daughter was flying back from Europe and uh, had, a, had a wonderful time there with a friend, and they, they were coming back, and uh, they got to fly back here without a mask on. And uh, I think it was an eight-hour flight. And I'm, I'm sure that was a, a wonderful uh, experience. Do you have anybody in your family that experienced that? Love, love to know what, uh, whether they were overjoyed at that. Sounds like most people are overjoyed at that prospect. So there's, uh, there's a, a little light, uh, a little glint of, I think, progress and good sense. By the way, the, the judge is, uh, is coming under uh, condemnation now uh, for her decision. Her name is Catherine Kimball Mizell, uh, U.S. District Court Judge in the Middle District of Florida. Uh, they don't like it because she was a Donald Trump appointee. Uh, she's 35 years old. Well, they're saying, well, she's too young. And she was a former clerk for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. And so uh, you know, a couple, uh, couple of strikes uh, against her because of all of that. We'll take your phone calls at 209-551-3483 in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be right back. Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local Talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The conversation right now, we've been looking at an update on AB 1594, which would uh, enable uh, victims of uh, violent crimes and uh, citizens and local governments to sue gun manufacturers and gun sellers uh, for the crimes that other people commit with the products that they produce. That's AB 1594-1594. It passed the Senate or the Assembly Judiciary Committee by a 7-2 to vote today. It's now headed to the Senate or the Assembly uh, Appropriations Committee. What do you think? Is uh, Do you find this a logical bill, or do you find it illogical? Let's find out what you think at area code 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Uh, let's go to Modesto, and Chris, Chris, what do you think? Well, you know, they might as well start suing the company that made that knife for the incident that happened yesterday, or they use a hammer through that company. It's just like they're getting sued happy, and basically, it's just an assault on the Second Amendment. It's all it is. So that's my opinion. Yeah, Chris, I, I think it it fits an agenda, and and that's what I find so yeah. loathsome about a lot of this is, uh, oftentimes the 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 woke culture will will take an incident or take an issue. And they will twist it. They will nuance it to fit another agenda, and that's what I see here, Chris. Because that doesn't—it it makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, because w- what it ultimately would do is put gun manufacturers and gun sellers out of business in California, don't you think? Yeah. So we couldn't get no guns here. The you know our second one basically be null and void, and we can't purchase it here. You know. 
Yeah, a- absolutely. With ammunition anyway, so. Yeah, you know, t- it's just basically assault on the Second Amendment. I, I agree with you, and, and you're right. They're trying with that with ammunition as well. Oftentimes, it's very hard to uh, get it. Chris from Modesto, thanks for the call very much. 209-551-3483, AB1594, the center of our conversation at the moment. Let's uh, go up to Riverbank, up the road of peace. Uh, Greg from Riverbank, what are your thoughts? Hey, Mike. Yeah, the whole problem I have with this kind of law is it attacks it from a false premise. And the way that the liberals look at it is that if a gun kills people, there must be something wrong with the gun, and therefore it's defective, and therefore we have to be able to sue these manufacturers. And what they don't understand is this gun worked exactly the way it's intended. They pointed it at somebody, they pulled the trigger, and it fired. Now, if the gun didn't fire or it backfired, then, yeah, sue the manufacturers. When they say, yeah, you can sue car manufacturers, you can only sue car manufacturers if there's a defect or there's a problem where the car kills somebody because it didn't function in the way it was supposed to. If somebody gets hit by a car, it's not the car's fault. It's the driver. It wasn't. Now, if the brakes go out, yes, it's the car's fault. You see what I mean? Absolutely. I think that's great logic, Greg. And I think it's a uh, it's a great response to <laughs> to the illogic behind this bill. I, I think you put it very well. Well, thank you very much. And you have a great day. All right, Greg. Thanks so much for the call. I appreciate that very much. Uh, Greg making a, a great point there. Uh, if someone pulls the trigger and the gun fires, the gun does exactly what the gun is designed to do. The gun is designed to shoot a projectile out of the barrel. And if all works well, that's what it's supposed to do. Now, what it what it does in the hands of the person who is controlling that weapon is a whole nother thing. But the gun itself, look at any shooting. The gun itself operated the way it was supposed to. Now, let's let's take a, another case here. Let us say that uh, for some reason there's a defect in the, in the weapon, and the weapon uh, the weapon explodes in the face of the person who is holding it. Say if they're target shooting or something, and they're injured. Uh, by it. Well, then I, I think there's, uh, there's a, a reason to be able to hold the manufacturer um, liable for that. But that's not what we're talking about here. I think Greg made a salient point here, right on the money, that the gun, it, it, when, when the gun is fired and injures or kills someone, the gun is doing exactly, it's operating the exactly the way it was intended to operate. And so this this makes this whole bill AB fifteen ninety four uh, to me just uh, it what what it does is it strips away the smoke and mirrors it strips away the fog that they intentionally create around this uh, we played a couple of uh, proponents uh, remarks from from last January uh, a couple of minutes ago and as you listen to those remarks. What you hear is smoke and mirrors. You don't hear them really addressing the issue. And, and uh, I do like what uh, Republican Assembly 
uh, Menon and Public Safety Committee Vice Chair Tom Lackey. I think he's a Republican out of, I think it's Palmdale, if I remember correctly. I I thought he... I thought he was right on the money. Here was his his statement. It's not common sense. It, it's common stupidity, truthfully. It really is. And I don't mean any disrespect to my colleagues. It totally maligns the sense of personal responsibility, which is the big problem that we're having with uh, this violent. And, and I don't even like the term gun violence because it, it directs the attention towards the weapon itself, the instrumentality instead of the behavior. Absolutely. And and I agree with him. I do not like the term gun violence. Uh, what the woke culture often does is try to change our language to fit their narrative. And uh, in order to combat that, we simply don't use their meanings for our words. Again, one way to combat that is we refuse to use their meanings for our words. In the name of the great radio broadcaster, Rush Limbaugh, words mean things. And that is the truth. Words mean things. And when the words are nuanced and people try to make them mean other things, we need to stand firm and say, no, I'm, I'm sorry. So the phrase to me, gun violence, is a, a misnomer. It is not the gun that causes the violence. And, and there's, there's intention behind that. This is not accidental uh, twisting of language. There's intent behind that. They, they know exactly what they're doing when they come up with these phrases. Uh, like cisgender, you will not hear me using the word cisgender other than to refer it as uh, to something that I think is absolutely ridiculous and unnecessary. No, there are men and there are women. That's it. Now, if a man or a woman wants to think that they're the opposite gender, why that's up to them, but it doesn't change the fact that there are men and women. We just need to stand for truth. So let's uh, let's go for some more truth from you, 209-551-3483, uh, Nick from Modesto, you have some comments about uh, another call. Nick, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like, I thought Greg's comments and his analogy with the car was spot on. I, I like that. that. That made sense. I'd kind of like to add to his, his comment, and that is in order for you to drive a car, you have to have a license. That means you have to go and be trained, and you have to pass a test. And if you get a drunk driving ticket or if you get a lot of speeding tickets, you get your license taken away. And if you're caught driving a car on a suspended license, you know, you're arrested, depending on, on what the severity of that suspension is. And if you're, if you're caught with a stolen car, you're going to jail. Great points, Nick. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think, uh, I think yeah. one of... And if anybody else can add to Greg's comments, call in and add. But uh, I think he, he, his comments are spot on. I, I, I think he, he started a spark here that you're fanning, uh, fanning into a flame, and you're doing it very well, Nick. Uh, thanks for your comments. R- right on. Spot on, as they say, uh, Nick. And, uh, I, again, we have to – every time that we hear these types of smoke and mirror 
uh, nuances. Every time that we hear uh, these malformed leaps of logic, we need to clear away the smoke and come back and look at the basic issue. And that's what Greg and, and Nick have been doing here. And uh, if you want to add to that, I, I encourage you to call. Let us know. What do you, what do you think of this? The, the basic principles of AB 1594, that if someone is injured, wounded, or killed by a person using a gun, that citizens and the victims and local government ought to be able to sue the gun dealers and the gun manufacturers. To me, it's insane, but you're, you're welcome to voice your opinions as well. We take them all here on the Mike Douglas Show at 209-551-3483. We will be back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend, it's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. Right now, the conversation centering around AB 1594, which would permit uh, victims of uh, shootings and uh, city citizens and local government to sue gun manufacturers, gun sellers uh, for the actions of somebody else that uh, they don't even have anything to do with, really. And by the way, here's another one that passed out of a committee today, AB 1621, to outlaw ghost guns. That has passed out of the Assembly Public Safety Committee today, and that's also headed to the Assembly Appropriations Committee along with AB 1594. Let's see what you think about uh, AB 1594 and or 1621. 209-551-3483, our number 209-551-3483. Uh, let's go out to Calaveras. John, John, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts? Hello, Mike. I'm a retired fire chief. Uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you for your service to the OES. I spent many summers running strike teams from North Ops to South Ops of Highway 5 uh -huh. <laughs> uh, in, in my career. <laughs> well, thank you, John, for your service I as well. To... Thank you as well, Mike. I just got to thinking about this. I just heard you talking about the uh, ghost guns. My sons and I, we love to build old vintage black powder rifles, and we shoot them on our ranch. We don't hurt anybody. And I guess you could call it a ghost gun. It's not going to hurt anybody unless you pointed at them, obviously. But what I wanted to talk about is kind of the crux of the problem. Are we at the point in California where uh, we're a very populous state, we have a high GDP, and the lion's share of the voting comes from the uh, urban areas, San Francisco, Barry, and Los Angeles, uh, is there a way that we could go to a uh, electoral college system in this state? Because out here where I live, it's it's it is it is Mars and Venus in opinions, Mike, about 
common sense legislator and common sense law, and we all look at this this uh, suing the gun manufacturers, and we all know it's ludicrous. Is that something that we can do possibly, is to have an electoral college so everybody in California has a voice, as opposed to the folks in the urban areas and the folks out here in the uh, in the Central Valley and in the mountains? That that is a, <laughs> that's a very interesting and creative thought, worthy of a fire chief, by the way, a good thinker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, John, I think that probably the closest we'll ever get is this uh, strange system of redistricting uh, that we have. And uh, I, I don't know that we'll ever get uh, get beyond that or that that will ever become equitable. I, I think our only hope, John, is that common sense will prevail. And given California's history, John, I'm I'm not sure about that, but I think that those of us who have it need to stay in the game and stand up for what's true. One can only pray, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, John, again, uh, thank you for your service, and and thank you for running those strike teams, my friend. I I remember many a wildfire up and down the state and uh, choking in the smoke and... You know, I want to say fond memories. I'm not sure they were all fond, but they're memories anyway. Anyway, John, thanks for your service. We appreciate that very much. And thank you, Mike, as well for your service in OES, sir. Bye-bye. All right, my friend. Uh, John from Calaveras, uh, a retired fire chief. John, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate you checking in uh, with us. Let's go out to Waterford right now. And uh, George uh, George has some thoughts about uh, this legislation as well. George, welcome. What, are, what do you think about it? Well, my thought is if they want to go sue Happy and sue the gun industry, I think there, we could turn that around on these liberals and use it against them where if an illegal alien kills an American citizen, we should be, they should be able to personally sue Newsom for his sanctuary state or Biden personally for the open borders that he completely crippled his very first day in office. So I think we should apply that to them and see how that goes. Wow, I love the creative thinking coming in today. George, that's that's a magnificent thought. It, it's using the principles and the leaps of logic that they're using and saying, okay, if it's good for the goose, it's got to be good for the gander. Then if, uh, if an illegal immigrant uh, commits a crime and injures someone severely or, God forbid, kills them, then we ought to be able to sue the entities that are responsible for that illegal immigrant being here, I think is the sum and substance of your call. Again, it seems absurd on its face, and it's just an example of why this must not work. Uh, George, great call. Good thinking. I appreciate that very much. And, uh, and thanks for listening out in Waterford. Not too many callers from Waterford. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. My pleasure. All right, my friend, George. Have a great day. All right, you too. George from Waterford. Uh, boy, some uh, creative thinking here. I love it. Again, uh, keep your eyes on two pieces of legislation right now. One is AB 1594. Uh, that is uh, <laughs> the bill that would allow victims of... Uh, of violence 
including other citizens, cities, and counties to sue gun makers and sellers on, uh, on, on the very thin ice logic that the gun sellers and the gun manufacturers acted recklessly and dangerously. No logic to that whatsoever. And then watch 1621, uh, ghost gun uh, prohibition. That just moved out of uh, committee today. That's headed for the Assembly Appropriations Committee as well. So two bills to keep an eye on. Again, every time that the California legislature comes into session, I cringe because I know there are things coming that uh, are, are not are not going to be so good, and uh, many many leaps of logic involved as well. And and think about it isn't isn't it very clear one of the underlying agendas here that that is to put the gun industry out of business. Well, if we can do away with guns, we'll we'll solve all of this violence. Well, yesterday in Stockton proves that that's not the case. Back in Christmas time in December, when the guy ran down a bunch of Christmas parade revelers, another example of why these leaps of logic are so thinly disguised. It's it's not about it's not about holding people responsible. People in recovery understand that's a big step. Acknowledging what you need to own and then making it right with the people you may have offended or wronged. How about that for a principle? We'll be back after news, weather, and traffic on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Don't go away. The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday. This Tuesday hasn't quite decided what it wants to be yet. It looked like it would rain for a while and, and it was cloudy. The sun would come out. Now the sun's out again. And uh, anyway, it's one of those kind of in-between days, but it got that kind of fresh uh uh, spring-like uh, feel to it. So a beautiful, beautiful afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Our conversation of late centering around uh, two bills up in the California legislature. Uh, one is uh, 1594, and that is to um, be able to sue gun manufacturers and gun sellers uh, for the actions of the people who use their weapons. And, uh, and then uh, 1621 which uh, would prohibit ghost guns. Both of those pass their respective committees and are headed for the uh, Assembly Appropriations Committee. So uh, we've been talking about that a bit. Some good creative thinking. Let's uh, go to one of our more creative thinkers as well, John from Brentwood. What's your take on these bills, John? Mike, you, you asked if, if this is a logical Bill, nothing that happens on this whole left coast is logical. 65% of the people that reside in California are illogical, and I'm sure 65% of the people that live here think this bill is just a wonderful thing. There was a recent survey I saw where they asked residents of states to rate their governor and state government on handling of COVID. The two of the top states with the highest ratings were Florida 
and California. That has to tell you something. Even on, even on your station, I've heard a commercial that comes on periodically where you can call this number if you're stressed or have questions or upset about COVID or worried about COVID. There's counselors waiting to talk to you. We are done. California, as, a, as an entity, is pretty much done. It's, it's going to be controlled by the government eventually. The state government is going to just run everything, and the people aren't going to even have to make up their mind about nothing because 65% of them don't make up their mind about anything as it is now. We are, we're doomed. Every, every time I think there's a chance, two more things come out the next day, and mm. I realize, you know, we don't have a chance. Uh, John, what do you think? 2022, uh, November 2022, uh, do you think we'll make any progress? And I, I'm not talking, I don't expect California to make a turnaround in November. That's what, seven months away, something like that. I don't expect California to make a turnaround. Do you think we'll make any progress at all in terms of getting more level-headed people elected? No, I don't. Look what happened with the recall. I mean, it, mm. what was it? Seventy percent of the people voted against the recall. There, it's just, it's just sheep live here. They, they, the government tells them what to do and what to think, and and they abide by it. And I mean, I still go out. I live kind of in sort of in the Bay Area where you go to a store and sixty-five percent of the people still have masks on, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But it, it's just the the whole thing is it's it's. it's it's illogical. Everything that happens here is just, I'm just downtrodden now. Just, you know, you, you keep thinking that we have a chance and I think the rest of the country will turn around. Most of it will. I think the Republicans will make some huge gains in the Senate and, or in the, in the house and hopefully a few in the Senate, but not in California. No, we're, we're, we're just in this rut and we're going to be here. And I just don't see the, the logical people are the ones that are moving out. So I, I don't see how that is going to help either because the people that are moving, I, I've lost two sets of friends and, and two family members to other states in the last two years, and they're all conservative people. The, 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 the conservative people are the ones that are leaving. They're, they're the ones that, that, that could help turn it around. The ones that are staying are not the ones that are going to turn it around because they obviously like what's happening here. Yeah, I think we're definitely dealing with what I call the lemming factor you know, lemmings just uh, follow whatever uh, to their own detriment. And, uh, I, I, John, I think sometimes it, it's a case of people not thinking at all. I think you just made reference to that earlier. It's, it's a case of not being rational, not thinking through things, just doing what you're told. And to me, the danger of that is that what pro, that's what provides the foundation for a um, a Marxist or a socialist uh, economy, uh, 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 and a, and a culture is we'll just let the government take over, and the government will tell us what to do, and the government will take care of us. Antithetical to the whole idea of what America is all about. So I I, I can see uh, John, uh, and and I think uh, your comment about the fact that you know we take. I'll put it in my words, we take one step forward and then something takes us two steps backwards. I, I, I get what you're saying. So I, I got you, John. Exactly. And it came out today. It came out today. The Biden administration will appeal the mask mandate if the CDC comes out and says that they still think that masks are a good idea. Yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, that's a given too. Just saw that. I expected that. I just didn't know how long it would uh, it would take. And again, uh, John, I I have the same experience. In fact, I went to the the bank today, and it's a bank that I I don't I don't go to a bank very often. You know, it's mostly through online transactions. But had to go to the bank physically. Last time I was there, we had to stand six feet apart outside, lined up outside the bank actually a credit union, we had to stand six feet apart outside with our masks on outside. I refused to have the mask on outside. I took it off. And, uh, I was, you know, this is, I, 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 when I go inside, I'll comply with the rules. I'll wear the mask. I'm not wearing the mask outside. That's absolutely ridiculous. Today, I was filled with joy in that I was able to walk into that credit union with no mask on. Didn't even take one uh, with me, but there were people with masks on in there, and you know that's their business. That's up up to them. But uh, John, I I think you've hit upon a thing that is worrisome, and that is how many people in this state do not think through the issues, they don't think through the candidates, they don't do the research, and they vote blindly just in terms of what they're told, depending on whether it's uh, what letter follows their name politically. So, John, great call. Thanks so much. John from Brentwood, always always a good thinker. Well, we've had a lot of good geographical representation today. Haven't we on the Mike Douglas Show? Brentwood, Waterford. Uh, Modesto, Riverbank, uh, I miss it, Calaveras, uh, just a Riverbank. Thank you so much. I, and we are just thrilled uh, to be able to hear from all of you from uh, many of these areas uh, that our, our signal reaches. Again, thank you so much for being part of the Mike Douglas Show. Again, we're here Monday through Friday, five, uh, 3 to 5 p.m. As uh, we take on the issues of the day, our purpose here is to be live and local. And we thank iHeartMedia for that privilege of being live and local here and uh, allowing you the opportunity to voice your opinions on what's happening today. And I learn from you. I hope you get something from me as well. Uh, But always look forward to these two hours in the afternoon with you because they're extremely enlightening and often causes me to think through uh, my positions but also enhance uh, my feelings of why I believe what I believe. So thank you for that. In, in theological circles, we call it iron sharpening iron. Coming up in three minutes, I'm going to talk about an op-ed piece coming out of the LA Times, and it fits in with what we've been talking about uh, for the for the past uh, hour and, and 15 minutes or so. And that is the lack of our society's emphasis on personal responsibility, the lack of the acknowledging the fact that there are consequences to our decisions. So much of our culture, especially the woke culture, wants to have no consequences. Always blame it on somebody else. You see that inherent in in AB 1594 and, and others. Uh, And so when we come back, I want to talk about this op-ed piece out of the L.A. Times uh, by uh, an opinion author named Erica Smith. And it it speaks to this whole thing of not holding people personally responsible for what they do. Crime, she's making the case that crime in L.A. 
especially as we're talking about those 17 gangs, apparently, that are looking for rich folk uh, with expensive cars or expensive clothing and jewelry following them and robbing them. That, that's because of income inequality. I'll unpack that for you from her perspective coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thanks so much for joining us here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Just got a message from one of our frequent listeners uh, regarding personal responsibility and uh, blaming gun dealers and gun manufacturers for people who use their weapons to hurt other people or kill them. Uh, he writes, and uh, th- th- this listener is great with uh, tongue-in-cheek humor. He says, the farmers are responsible for drunk drivers. If the farmers hadn't grown the grain, they couldn't sell it to the distiller, who couldn't sell it to the store, who couldn't sell it to the driver, so the driver couldn't get drunk and wouldn't have gotten into an accident. And so do we hold the miner who mined the ore, et cetera, that made the steel, that made the car, the gun, the knife, the baseball bat, et cetera? Great, great point. Uh, Thank you. uh, Thank you for that. Well, L.A. Times, I just saw this uh, the other day, and uh, I I wanted to bring it to your attention. I think it came out on uh, April 12th. Uh, Erica Smith is a columnist for the L.A. Times. And she writes about the diversity of people and places across California. And she says, we shouldn't be surprised that, according to Captain Jonathan Tippett, who leads the LAPD task force that released the follow-home robberies report, there were 165 of these crimes in 2021, or that they already have been close to 60 of them this year. She says, Tippett told my Times colleague, Kevin Rector, that in his 34 years on the job, quote, I've never seen anything like this. Well, Erica Smith says, I'm not surprised because in 34 years, we've also never seen such income inequality. Hmm. She writes, of course, none of this amounts to an excuse for criminal behavior. I'm waiting for the but, but rich people should absolutely be able to walk around with their diamond-encrusted $300,000 watches without fear of being followed. I I note a sense of sarcasm there, don't you? Tackled on a sidewalk, pistol-whipped by a bunch of dudes in hoodies, as the LAPD said happened to some victims. says, and certainly there are things that can be done now to help make that happen for the most moneyed among us. That includes getting more guns off the streets, Mm -hmm. and yes, taking an honest, unbiased, non-political look at exactly why some criminal suspects are released and others are kept locked up. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get behind that. But as mayoral candidates and voters continue to talk about getting tough on crime... She says it's important to recognize that these are ultimately short-term fixes. Long-term solutions must involve 
scaling up the gang intervention programs that were scaled back during the pandemic. All right, so we're blaming the pandemic now. And investing in bigger and better community-based crime prevention strategies that can help residents as well as law enforcement. So first our culture is saying defund the police, and now they're advocating better community-based crime prevention strategies. Now she quotes um, this friend, uh, and and uh, she quotes him as saying, "It's not until a violence in the wealthy communities that it becomes a major issue." I see. So robbery is not a major issue, and violence not a major issue, according to them, until it hits wealthy communities. The gun homicide epidemic has been rampant in LA for generations. We got a handle on it for like 10 years. It's going up, but it's not but it's not time to turn back. We need to continue to invest in broadening our understanding of public safety. Not sure what that means. Broadening our understanding of public safety. Uh, she writes that also means finding new and meaningful ways to address widening income inequality, particularly in South LA. We can't continue to treat affordability as an issue that's somehow separate from crime. We don't want short-sighted, short-term solutions for a long-term problem. All right. What do you think about that? Do you think her arguments here and and her friend there have, uh, do you think that has any wisdom to it? Are we seeing uh, gangs following rich people and ripping them off because of income inequality? Are we even hearing about that because it's happening to, and I'm, I'm going to say the underlying theme probably here is rich folk. Because it's happening to rich folk now, it, it's an issue. I, I'm going to back to my days as a law enforcement officer, and we didn't ignore crimes that were committed in the barrio or in areas of poverty. Crime is crime. Whether it's a wealthy person or a not wealthy person. The other thing that I think is just insidious in in this whole dynamic is the thought that it's all based upon class warfare. What uses class warfare a lot? Socialism, Marxism, Marxism especially, depends upon class warfare. you got to get people warring against each other. And then you step in and have government solve the problem, so to speak. Income inequality and your level of wealth or lack thereof has, in my mind, not much to do with personal responsibility. There are people without a lot of money in our culture today who understand you don't kill people, you don't steal from people, you don't envy other people. They have a worldview that embraces an archaic thing called the Ten Commandments. What an idea. Been around for millennia. 
And it's been adopted by other cultures as well under different cover, so to speak. Not so much on stone tablets. But you see, it's, it's, it's the erosion of personal responsibility. And, and I, I don't know about folks who, who grew up in poverty. I, I don't know that, I don't know anyone. I know plenty of folks who didn't have a lot when they grew up. I've got pastor friends that did not come from wealthy families, but they grew up understanding the basics of what it means to function in society, to think of others more highly than yourselves, to love your neighbor as yourself, to abide by the golden rule, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That has nothing to do with economics. That has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. That has to do with personal responsibility. That has to do with owning your stuff. That has to do, and again, those, uh, those of you familiar with the process of recovery, that has to do with understanding that the world doesn't around, uh, revolve around you and me. There is a creator who is in charge. And when we have offended, when we have wronged others, we need to take, we need to take a personal inventory, recognize when we've done that, and as we can, go back and make it right with those that we have offended on purpose or those that we have wronged. That's all, that's all part of the process of becoming healthy. It is unhealthy to go through life blaming your actions and your consequences upon the fact that you don't have enough money or you didn't grow up in the right neighborhood or you didn't have the right kind of parents or you didn't have the right kind of upbringing. Talk more about it coming up in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, where we believe in personal accountability and personal efforts to make things right and to accept the consequences of our own actions. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our legislators took the same attitude, personal responsibility, accepting consequent, the consequences of our actions? And let me just, uh, here's, those of you who have worked with uh, folks who uh, have been struggling with addictions, uh, those that are familiar with the 12 steps, with recovery ministries, recovery programs and such, uh, maybe want to chime in on this. But let me, let me hit some of the principles that I think our government, state and federal, would do well to rehearse and embrace. Now think about this as I, as I read some of these principles. And think how it would apply, how our government officials might make more wise decisions and not so many odious decisions 
if they embrace some of these principles. Well, let me go through them very, very quickly with you. And there are various versions of all this, I understand. But the, the first thing is to recognize that, that we're, we are powerless over our problems and our behaviors. That we, you know, when our lives become unmanageable, we need to admit it. And then there's the recognition that God is in charge. And now many would say this is a higher power, a power greater than ourselves. Okay, in my case as a pastor, I believe that is God, and he, he can restore us to sanity. And then uh, we, we make a decision to turn our way of doing things over to God and turn our lives over to him or that higher power in, instead of trying to continue in our dysfunctions. And then there's the act of taking a personal inventory, uh, a moral inventory. What are we about? What have we done? Let's put that in a, in a spotlight. And it's just a moral inventory of ourselves. And then to admit to God the higher power to ourselves and to others what we did, the nature of how we messed up. And then there's an act of humility in saying, okay, God, or a higher power, God in my thoughts works a lot better. Help me remove these defects in my character. And humbly asking him to, to remove those shortcomings, those behaviors. And then here's, here's a, after you've done the personal inventory, then, then there's the inventory of others. Who have we harmed? Who do we need to make amends to? Make it right. You ever done that? I did that as a pastor. So what are you talking about? Mike, well, in my early shepherding, I was pretty black and white, and uh, I I could be pretty rigid with a lot of couples that came in with problems. And uh, over the years of shepherding and pastoring, God did a work in me, and I began to understand that I needed to make sure, as best I could, I was reflecting. God's character in the way that I was dealing with others. And I went back, and I did a personal inventory, and I went back to some couples that I had counseled early on in my pastoral career, and I, I asked them to come in the office. This was back way back when I was pastoring at a, at a local megachurch. And I said to other two or three, I think I asked to come back before I left and I, uh, to do Advancing Vibrant Communities. And I said, did... When, way back when, when I was counseling you, was what I told you to do right? Was I biblically right? They said, yeah. I said, but how about the way I communicated that? How did it make you feel? And a couple of them kind of sheepishly said, well, we, we kind of felt beat up. you know. And so I asked their forgiveness for that and, and said, you know, I've, I've learned over time that I needed to grow in in that in that area, and so that was you know part of 
it's just an example, personal example of what it means to make amends to others if you are aware that you have uh, injured them. And uh, you, you make those direct amends except when it would injure folks or others. I won't go into that, but sometimes making amends to people who weren't or aren't aware that you harm them can create more problems than there were in the beginning. And then uh, to, to uh, again, take a, a, a constant personal inventory that when we're wrong, we need to admit it. And then uh, through, through prayer, our connection with God, um, for an understanding of, of how we carry these principles out. And then one of the things that's very valuable towards the end of that process or at the end is, is to carry the process to others and, and offer it to them as a benefit. Here's something that has helped me. Maybe it'll help you. Now, I've kind of gone through that quickly, but don't you think that if our legislators, both in Sacramento and in Washington, D.C., would just take those principles and implement them, don't you think that we'd be in a far better place? Instead of allowing power and money and control to, uh, to rule us and to rule the people under us, what do you think? Am I tiptoeing through the tulips here? Or do you think that would be a good idea for legislators in Sacramento and and uh, Washington, D.C. as well? And on the local level, too. Don't want to leave out uh, municipalities and counties as well. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. In our discussions earlier today, uh, one of the callers gave an example of, of uh, immigration, saying that if illegal, if an illegal immigrant harmed someone, uh, or God forbid, killed someone, that we ought to be able to, to sue the governmental agencies who permitted them to enter society illegally, instead of holding them the, the, to the same standard as legal immigrants. I thought that was interesting. Well, here's another rabbit trail proceeding from that. This is an interesting uh, headline that came up today. Did you know that immigration officials wasted $17 million on unused hotels for immigrants last year? Apparently, they hired a politically connected contractor and that contractor failed to meet the COVID-19 product, uh, protocols, according to a government watchdog. See, apparently Immigration and Customs Enforcement entered into an $87 million contract with a nonprofit company called Endeavors to provide services for the surge of migrants at the southern border. But the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General took a look at it. And they said, I should have sought multiple bids for the work instead of signing onto the sole source deal with Endeavors, which required the agency to pay for a block of more than 1,200 hotel rooms, no matter how many were used. 
And so here, here we go again. And, and I, w- I wouldn't say this is heinous corruption, but it's an example of it. It, it, it. At the very least, it's an example of government inefficiency. Think of the EDD here in California, Employment Development Department, and how during the pandemic, upwards beyond $30 billion of fraudulent payments were paid out. Well, the payments were fraudulent, but the application for the payments were fraudulent. The people receiving the money did so under fraudulent circumstances. Think of how much money is wasted by our government. And where does that money come from? You and me, through confiscatory taxation. That's why I'm, I'm all for, I know we'll never see it, I would love to see our California legislator legislature be part-time and even pass a law. Maybe we'd have to do it on a on a uh, on our own as citizens. Maybe we would need to bring it to the ballot ourselves that the California legislature could only meet periodically on a schedule, but not full-time, and that they could only pass X number of bills per year. I think there are more, I think there are way more than a thousand bills that are passed by the California legislature every year. How can we possibly keep up with that? Well, we can't. And then, of course, each one of those bills, or many of them, have little things attached to them that affect us as well, that oftentimes don't have anything to do or much to do with the original bill in, in the, 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 that was written. We, we are in a state of confusion and abuse of authority. And, and uh, one of our callers not too long ago, John from Brentwood, was just expressing dismay over all of this. And he talked about how people he knew are leaving California and as you know, I like to think of the glass as being half full. If there's a hill to be conquered, as long as there are some folks to willing to conquer it with me, I'm, I'm willing to run up that hill with whatever resources we have and do my best to take the hill with other folks. If needed, I'm up to charging the gates of hell with a squirt gun, if that's what it takes. We'll talk more about that coming up in three minutes on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I want to go back to uh, to yesterday, and uh, I thank uh, assistant producer Brenda Lapomi, also our, our uh, call screener for today, for doing some quick research yesterday. I didn't have time to get it in, but I talked about the FCC chairman many, 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 many years ago who referred to television as the vast wasteland. Uh, well, Brenda correctly uh, brought the information forward. It was May 9, 1961, 
and a newly uh, installed chair of the Federal Communications Commission named Newton Minow stepped to the microphone in front of a meeting of the National Association of Broadcasters in Washington, D.C. He, uh, he told uh, the people there he had respect for the honorable, uh, honorable profession of broadcasting. Uh, but, but then he got right to the crux of what he wanted to talk about. And he said, when television is good, Nothing, not the theater, not magazines or newspapers, nothing is better. But when television is bad, nothing is worse. He said, I invite each of you to sit down in front of your television set when your station goes on the air and stay there for a day without a book, without a magazine, without a newspaper, without a profit and loss sheet or a rating book to distract you. Keep your eyes glued to that television set until the station signs off. Here we go. I can assure you that what you will observe is a vast wasteland. There's the quote. And then he backed it up by saying that you'll see a procession of game shows, formula comedies about totally unbelievable families, blood and thunder, mayhem, violence, sadism, murder, Western bad men, Western good men, privatized gangsters, more violence and cartoons, and endlessly commercials, many screaming, cajoling, and offending, and most of all, boredom. True, you'll see a few things you will enjoy, but they will be very, very few. And if you think I exaggerate, I only ask you to try it. So there we go. Newton N. Minow, FCC chairman, May 9, 1961, evaluating television basically as a, as a vast wasteland. I don't, uh, I, I, I get his point. I understand what he's saying. I think there's a lot of wasted airtime on television. I think one of one of the by the way, if you want to chime in, we have a couple minutes left here on the Mike Douglas show today. 209-551-3483. What do you think about television today? 209-551-3483. I want to hone in on news, broadcast journalism. I think broadcast journalism has deteriorated over time. And what caused it, I think, ironically, is technology. In the 19, well, late 1970s, early 80s, electronic news gathering was the thing. And the new technology was intoxicating, I think, to television news. The the desire to be first on scene live created a problem where being first on scene live meant that you didn't get the whole story. You just wanted to beat the other stations there and make sure that you were there first. And then we, then, then that led to watered down stories that weren't well-researched and they started not to check two or three sources uh, to verify information. We became intoxicated by the technology itself. 
and the rush to be first on scene. Uh, and and you, if you go back in your memory, think about the times when a news reporter has been out on a scene not knowing much about the scene at all, and it's a lot of blah, 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 and repeating of blah, 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 without much journalistic integrity. And then that has morphed into, more recently, narratives and uh, agendas that are held by the owners of the television news or radio news networks. And so now, instead of having sources that we think we can pretty much trust, I, I check everything. I, I don't care whether it's MSNBC or Fox News. I check statements. I don't take either as being the gospel truth. I, I want to know. So I think over the years, in that regard, television news has gotten worse. Now, are there, are there anomalies? Yes. There is some good reporting that goes on. There have been some great document, uh, documentaries throughout the years. Not saying that I, I'm not painting it with a broad brush saying it's all bad, but I would say in general, television news is reaching new lows. And uh, especially as you look at the, the so-called cable channels. And of course, now you have, uh, have the streaming as well. So I'm, I do my best to research well, to provide other points of view, and to give you things that will enable you to make your decisions, uh, to use your collective crania to come to good decisions based upon the information that we discuss here. And we're going to do it again tomorrow, 3 to 5 p.m. here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thanks for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow at 3. Trevor Carey coming up.